0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Hasn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen? It has been good. Well, it is good to be back with you today. Uh, as my family and I, we had a two-week trip out to um, the state of Texas to spend time with our family. We had a great time, and it's good to be back with you on this uh, Father's Day. And in honor of my dad, um, I am wearing, and you may want to get a, get a close-up of this one, videographers, some Texas Tech Red Raider socks. All right, so Texas Tech Red Raiders, you wonder where I get my love for Texas Tech? I get it from my dad, and so, like father, like son. But anyways, happy Father's Day to all of you men out there. We're greatly, greatly appreciative of you. Well, today, uh, I want us to look at something what I think is, is pretty special, and I want us to look at a topic that may be a little sensitive could be a little bit difficult, but it's something that we definitely need to hear. And I want to talk about spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, uh, would you take them out and go to John chapter 17? John chapter 17, the words will be on the screen behind me as well, but we are continuing our summer sermon series titled Sermon Love, A Summer Love, Learning to Love Like Jesus. And I want to say a big thank you to Jeff Cannon for preaching in my absence last week. Can we give him a round of applause, please? Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Next Sunday, he'll be singing a solo because I saw him up in the choir a few minutes ago. That was really good. But Jeff, thank you so much for, for preaching uh, while I was gone. And uh, So today, I've titled the message, Loving Your Family Means Leading Like Jesus. Men, fathers, dads, loving your family means you lead like Jesus. So what does it mean to be a spiritual leader in your house? What, what are the responsibilities? What is, what is specifically involved? How, how in the world do I know whether or not I am a spiritual leader? As a man and as a father, as a dad, I've wrestled with those questions, Men, I'm sure that you've wrestled with them as well. Ladies, wives, I'm sure you've wrestled with those questions as well. What does that mean to be a spiritual leader? And what I shared this morning can be very convicting or it can be very encouraging. I I know as a Christian, as a Christian man, as a Christian father, and many of you dads out there are... We all do our best to follow the divine model of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's our model. And so we do our best to follow the divine model. But oh, how we fail. Isn't that right, men? Oh, how we fail. And when I share these things from Scripture, I want you to know, men, that that I struggle with this. I struggle with spiritual leadership. I wrestle, what does that, what does leadership look like in my home as a, and a family? What does that, I struggle with that. And so what I shared this morning is just as much for you as it is for me. And so ladies, wives, moms this morning, I want to encourage you to take it easy on your husbands, No elbowing. No glances at him. By the end of the service, ladies, wives, this is what I ask you to do. I ask that you would gently pat your husband on the back and say, it's going to be okay. Because we're all in this together, amen? Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today on this special day that we have labeled Father's Day. For many of us, our fathers are still alive and we have great relationships with them. Others, we don't have a relationship with them. Others, our fathers have passed. Some, we don't know our father. But Father, we have a great father in you, God the Father. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that what is said from your word, I pray that we as a church, we will be better. I pray that we as a church will be faithful and committed to being a multi-generational church that sees the gospel of Jesus Christ passed from one generation to another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, this is known as the the high priestly prayer. Jesus, and many of you may be familiar with this, but Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden. He's praying. He knows that he's about to die in a few hours. He knows that he's about to be crucified. And in chapter 17, he prays to God the Father. And in this chapter, in this prayer, Jesus, he does a little review. He reviews the past three years with his followers, the ones that God has given him. And so he prays back to the Father, and he reminds the Father of what he has done with his followers. And in this prayer, we see examples of spiritual leadership. And so, dads, this is what you and I are supposed to do in our homes. Look at verse number 1. Let's pick up in verse number 1. Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 4 I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me. To do. Now look in verse number six, as here Jesus gives us the first example of what spiritual leadership looks like, because in these first four verses, Jesus has says this, has said this, "I have accomplished the work you have given me." Now here's what's interesting about those few verses. Has Jesus gone to the cross yet? He hasn't. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't risen from the grave yet. So, so, so in one aspect, his work is not finished yet. Because you remember on the cross, what are the three words that he says? It is, but here he says, I've accomplished my work. So what is it that he has already accomplished? If he hasn't made it to the cross just yet, then what is it he has already accomplished? Well, what he has accomplished is his work with those that God has given him. The job that he was to do with the men that God has given him. He has provided, he has provided spiritual leadership to these men. He's accomplished that because now he's moving on to the ultimate work. But here he says, I've accomplished it. And now he's going to review with the Father the things that he has accomplished, and he gives us examples, men, of what spiritual leadership looks like. Men, write this down, number one. You and I love our family by leading them like Jesus, who did this. He pointed them to God. Jesus pointed his followers to God through himself. So men, for you and I, as spiritual leaders, we are to point our families to God through Christ Jesus. That's the very first thing, fathers, men, dads. This is your number one responsibility. Your number one responsibility is to help your children know who the father is. It is your responsibility, dads, to provide spiritual leadership, to point your family to God through Jesus Christ. Why? Eternity hangs in the balance. Heaven or hell, life or death, Men, eternity hangs in the balance with your children. And men, dads, as a spiritual leader of the home given to you by the authority of Jesus Christ, God the Father, as the spiritual leader, it is your job to introduce your children to God. Now look at verse number six. Look at verse number six. In verse number six, Jesus says back to the father, he says this, I, Jesus, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Look at that word manifested. Men, circle that in your Bible. Underline that in your Bible. Highlight that word in your Bible, the word manifested. Jesus says, I have manifested. That word manifested in Greek is the word phanerō. And phanerō literally means to bring to light. It means to shine on something. And here Jesus is referring to his incarnation. Now, men, men, I want you to listen to me closely on this one. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is a foundational belief in our theology. The incarnation. What is the incarnation? It is God becoming Man. It is God being fully God, but yet being fully man in Jesus Christ. That's the incarnation. Listen, if there is is no incarnation, there is no salvation. If Jesus or God has not become fully man while maintaining his, his godness, there is no salvation. Because the scripture says there is no salvation outside of the name of Jesus Christ. The incarnation, men, listen, the incarnational is foundational to salvation. And Jesus says, Father, I have manifested your name to the ones that you have given me. Men, do you see the picture? Do you see the picture, men? Jesus shown the light on the Father to his followers. In John chapter 12, Jesus said these words, he who sees me sees the Father. He who sees me sees the Father. What what I love about verse number six is this, Jesus did not say, I I lectured to you, right? Now listen, I'm a preacher and a teacher. I love to lecture. Don't you love sitting under my lectures? Say yes, (laughs) amen, amen. The best amen I've heard in several months right there. But Jesus doesn't say, Father, I lectured to the ones that you gave me. He doesn't say, I pontificated to the ones that you gave me. He doesn't say, I, I sermonized. He doesn't say, I preached. What Jesus says back to the Father, he says this, Father, I, I showed them who you were. I showed them. I showed them who you were. And Jesus said, He's leading by example. That's what he's doing. He's leading by example. Now, here's what we know. Here's what we know. The first act of the Son of God is this, to point others to Jesus Christ. Amen? Is to point others to God the Father, to shine a light on the Father. Now, now, men, I want you to listen to me real quick, men. Now, this is a sobering truth, Okay? The sobering truth is this. Men, how you treat your children, how you care and treat your children will determine your children's viewpoint of the Heavenly Father. Are you with me? Men, how you treat your children largely determines what your son or your daughter believes about the Heavenly Father. Let me give you an example. Men, if you're detached your son or your daughter is going to think the Heavenly Father is detached. Men, if you are unavailable, your son or your daughter is going to believe that the Heavenly Father is unavailable. Men, if you are unpleasable, meaning that your son or daughter can never do anything right, you're always critical, they are going to be, they're going to believe that God the Father can never be Pleased. Now, man, that's a sobering truth, isn't it? How we treat our children largely determines what they think about the Heavenly Father. So, therefore, men, model Christ. Show Christ to your family. Talk like Christ. Treat others the way Christ treated others. One of our theme verses for this summer series on summer love comes from, from John, which says this, let everything you do be done in love. Men, men, you show your family Christ. You show them who God is, that he's a caring, loving God, and you show that to your family. Spiritual leaders point people to God through Christ. Here's number two. Men, you love your family by leading like Jesus when you teach them God's Word. You teach them God's Word. Why? Because the Word of God is our foundation. Amen? The Word of God is our foundation. Critical race theory, it's not our foundation. Amen? The United States Constitution, it's not our foundation. It's the Word of God. Listen, in organizations, bylaws are not the foundation. The Word of God is our foundation. And men, listen, the, the Word of God is what we build our lives upon and what we want our children's lives to be built upon. Why? Because the Word of God is the truth. It's solid. It's consistent. It's our guidebook. It's our textbook. Jesus said in John eight thirty two. he said this, if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, man, here's what I know. Men, I want my daughters to be free. I want our children to be free. Amen? Amen? We want them to be free. I don't want my daughters to be bound up in guilt. I don't want them to be wrapped up in worry. I don't want our children, I don't want your children, I don't want your grandchildren to be concerned about, about, uh, about what other people think about them. I don't want them to be pressured. I don't want our children to be, to be slaves to the fashions and the trends of this world. I don't want our children to be shaped by the culture of today, which is going to be completely different tomorrow. Amen. I don't want them to be shaped by that. I want my girls, I want my kids, I want your kids, I want them to be free. And the Bible says there's only one way for your children to be free. And it's through Jesus Christ, the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And truth is a capital T. You shall know him and he will set you free. And listen, when you build your life upon God's word, you will have true freedom. When you build your life on this, fathers, granddads, when you build your life on this and pour this into your children, you will guarantee that there is going to be freedom. Look at verse number seven. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Look at verse eight. For the words which you gave me, I gave to them, and they received them. Jump down to verse number 14. I have given them your word. That's spiritual leaders like Jesus, we are to pass on God's words. That's our responsibility, men. Dads, fathers, it's our responsibility to teach our children God's word. You know this. You know this. Your kids are going to build their life upon something. I want you to write this down. If it's not the word, then it's going to be the world. If it's not the word, then it's going to be the world. Which of those is the more solid foundation? It's the word of God. It's the word of God is a solid foundation. And so men, fathers, we are to be the ones who teach our children God's word. Now I know several of you going right now, pastor, you're crazy. I don't know how to do that, I don't know, I'm not sure how I can do this, maybe I'm not really good with God's Word, I don't fully understand it. Well, let me share with you a couple of ways how you men, spiritual leaders, can teach your children, teach your family God's Word. Number one, when your children or grandchildren are young, are young, read Bible stories to them. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Read the Bible stories to them. Did you know that the Bible says that my people die from a lack of knowledge? That's what the Bible says. So men, go to the store. Buy a a children's story Bible. It is the stories of Scripture in simple terms. Maybe you can use that on Sunday mornings for yourself, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that'll help. It's simple words, right? Three-letter words. Yes, like those. But get that Bible and at nighttime, you sit down next to your son or your daughter, your grandchild, and you read. You read God's Word. Well, pastor, it's not very exciting. You read God's Word, you make it exciting. You teach them about Jacob. You teach them about Joseph. You teach them about Abraham. You teach them about Isaac. You let them learn about Peter, about James, and about John, and about Jesus. And you just let the Word of God pour into their minds. Let them know Scripture. So just read with them. Here's another way that you can teach God's Word to your family. Memorize Scripture together. Memorize scripture together. Let me give you a couple ways that, that my family has done this. Not because we're, we're good, we're awesome, but you know, it, that's not the point. <laughs> this, this is an example of what we do that maybe can help you out. We, we've memorized scripture as a family together in a couple ways. One way is we've, we've done, a, we have a whiteboard, or we did have a whiteboard near our, uh, the garage door where we would come in and out and we would take a scripture for the week and we'd write it up on, the, on, that, on that whiteboard. We'd write up on there, and any time, any time during the day, we'd say, what does that verse say? And you can't go back to the whiteboard to look at it. You've got to memorize it. So you memorize it. There's one way that uh, um, Abigail and I are learning Scripture right now. Um, we're doing a lot of running right now. Why? I don't know. But we're doing a lot of running right now, and, and we're memorizing Scripture together. Hebrews 12:12. strengthen my hands that are weak and my knees that are feeble. Folks, listen. She wants me to run six miles with her today. I will make it about two. <laughs> She's gone. But I will be quoting Hebrews twelve twelve. Strengthen my hands that are weak and my knees that are feeble. But we but we well, we say that, don't we? Abigail. Yeah, that's what we. That's what we do. We we say that. Strengthen me, God. Job thirty three four. The spirit of God has made me, but the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Ooh. When I take 10 steps, I'm quoting that one. Give me breath, please. But then one of my favorites, Psalm 126 5, which says this those who sow in tears, which I do a lot of crying when I'm running, by the way, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. It's that simple, guys. Just pick a scripture. And challenge you, challenge yourself, and challenge your son or your daughter. Well, pastor, I don't know. Then choose the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Bingo. You got it. But memorize Scripture. So how do you teach your children God's Word? Read the Bible when they're young. Read it together. Memorize Scripture. How about this one? This is a simple one. Go to church. Be faithful to church. Commit to the church. I mean, one of the things I hear a lot of times is this Pastor, you know, I just really don't want to force my religion on my kids. Have you heard that before? Did you know there's a Greek word for that? It's baloney. <laughs> it's baloney. Because you know that's not true. It's not true. Dads, because if if you don't take your son or your daughter to church, the world is going to fill them with its own religion. And it's your responsibility. And it's your responsibility to teach them God's Word. Read it. Memorize it. Go to church. Men, teach your teach your sons and your daughters, your grandchildren. Teach them how to how to study the Bible. Teach them how to study the Bible. Well, Pastor, I, I don't I don't know how to study the Bible. Well, let me give you a very simple, simple way you can study the Bible. It's not on the screen, but this is just I just want you to hear this. Use the words observation, interpretation, and application. Those three things. Observation, interpretation interpretation, and application. So when you, and I taught this to my daughters, when you observe the text, means you read the text, you ask the question, what does the text say? And then you ask the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how? That's it. And the way you can do this to make it fun for your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, is pretend that you're wearing glasses. Everybody do this real quick. No, no, really, everybody. Come on, everybody. Some of you don't do it, okay? Here's what you do. You got your glasses on. Observation. Here you go. So you do this. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Oh. You observe. You're looking through glasses to find out what the text says. Men, you find out what the text says. You teach your sons and your daughters. You find out what the text says. Not what you think it says, but you find out what the text says. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's observation. Pretty simple. Then you go from observation to interpretation. Interpretation, you answer the question, what does this text mean? Do y'all remember the, uh, the statue, Rodin's, the thinker? Right? This right here. The thinker. So when you observe, you have your facts, and then you think and you say, what does this mean? So you look at all of the facts and you say, how does this work together? How does this work together? What does it mean? And you think. Observation, who, what, when, where, why, and how, what does the text say? uh, Interpretation, what does this text mean? And then you get to application. It answers the question, how is this applied to me? And here's what you do. It's very, very simple. Are y'all still with me? When it comes to application, you know how does this apply to me? You see, this is what I believe about Scripture. There's one meaning to the text with many applications. That meaning of the text always goes back to Jesus Christ. But the application is this. What does it want me to believe? And so you put your hands, everybody do this. You got to do it. You got to do it. Put your hands up there by your temples. What does the text want me to believe? And you turn your head to the right. Because we want right thinking The Bible always teaches you what? Right thinking. And then, after you do the, what does it want me to believe? Then you do this. What does it want me to believe? And then, how should I walk? You take two steps to the right. Because the Bible always wants you to go in the right direction. Never go left. Always go right. Some of you will figure that out later. Oh, that's what the pastor meant. Yes. But dads, are you with me? Dads, are you willing to be the spiritual leader to teach your sons and your daughters God's word? Observation, interpretation, application. What does the text say? What does it mean? How does this apply? Men, you are the spiritual leaders. You see the example that Jesus gave to us. Here's number three. You love your family by leading like Jesus when you pray for them. Guys, you pray for them. Look at verse number nine. Jesus said this, I ask on their behalf. The King James Version says, I pray on their behalf. One of the things that Jesus did so well is he'd often spend time praying for his followers, praying for his disciples. In John chapter 17, he spent a great portion of his time praying for his followers now i know this men i know what you're asking already if you're still awake i know what you're asking you're asking this well well, pastor i i don't i don't know what to pray i mean that's fair i get it you want me to pray for them i get it i understand that i'm all for that but what do i pray what do i pray here's the great thing about the bible it tells you what to pray for them so look at verse number 13. Here's three things. It's not on the screen, but we write this down. Here's three things that, that we see from Jesus' example, how we as spiritual leaders, men, how we pray for them. Number one, we pray that they'll live for Christ joyfully. We want our sons and daughters to live for Christ full of joy. Look at verse number 13. Verse 13 says this. Jesus said, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have what? Joy and that their joy would be made full. So fathers, when you pray for your sons and your daughters, pray that they will live for Christ joyfully, that they'll they'll love him with everything, that they'll be filled with joy, that they'll be filled with God's love, that they'll be filled with God's joy. I mean, dads, don't you want to see that in your sons and your daughters' lives, that they'd be filled with God's love? You pray for that. You pray that they would would be filled with Christ's love and joy. Number two, you pray that they would grow spiritually strong. Look at verse number 15. Pray that they would grow spiritually strong. Verse 15, Jesus said, Father, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. This is what Jesus, the example we see in Jesus, Jesus does not ask the Father to remove the disciples from difficult situations. Are you with me, dads? He doesn't ask, Jesus didn't ask, say, God, remove them from a difficult situation. No, what he says, I ask that you keep them, but you keep them from the evil one, which means this, Father, I want, I want my disciples to stay in a difficult situation, and I want them to trust you, no matter how hard it is, I want you to show them your love so they can show their love of you to other people. So many times, parents, and we're guilty of this, we don't want our children to get hurt, do we? Man, I get it. I don't want my children to get hurt. I know that some of the greatest moments I've ever had with the Heavenly Father was in times of hurt. Are you with me? So you pray that they live with joy with Christ. You pray that they grow spiritually strong. And the third thing is this, is you pray that they will serve Christ. Look at verse number 18. Jesus says, Father, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. Fathers, our sons and our daughters, We're not created to live in our homes after the age of 18. Okay, 35, is that better? (laughs) But, But you get the point, you get the point. Fathers, we, we raise up our children, we pour into them, and then we send them out, and listen, we send them out into the mission field with a mission. Jesus said to the Father, Father, as you sent me, you sent me on mission, now I send the disciples into the world on a mission. Fathers, as spiritual leaders, we send our sons and our daughters, our grandchildren, we send them into the world with a mission to manifest God the Father to show others who Jesus is. That's why we do this. And we pray for them. Fathers, are you praying for your sons and your daughters? Are you praying for them? Here's number four, and then we're going to be done. And everybody says, praise God. Fathers, you love your family by leading them like Jesus when you protect them. Fathers, men, it's your responsibility to protect your family. You're the protector. Now I know some of your wives can probably beat you up. But you're still the protector. Look at verse number 12. Jesus says, While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you've given me, and I guarded them. Do you see that? I kept them, and I guarded them. Those words, keep and guard, in Greek, it paints the picture. It paints the picture of keeping a close watch upon them. Let me see if I can paint it this way. This past week, as we were in Texas, we went to a water park similar submarine waves called Texas Typhoon. It was in Austin, Texas. And as we walk in, there was this A-frame uh, billboard announcement board, A-frame about this big. And we walk in and we see the words Timmy, T-I-M-M-Y, kind of in big letters on this A-frame board. And we're like, what? So we walk over to this billboard, this A-frame billboard that said Timmy. And then it had a picture of a of a, of a dummy. And you read the fine print, all the stuff, and it says this. Please ignore Timmy, because Timmy is a lifeguard training tool. And it goes on and says this that you may see Timmy floating in the lazy river. Ignore him. Let the lifeguards who are training take care of it freaky, right? I'm like, if I see something floating in the water, I'm going to go get it, right? And so the whole, the whole day, right? Girls, the whole day, we're watching, we're watching out for Timmy. Where's Timmy? And I told the girls, I'll give you 20 bucks if you rescue Timmy before the lifeguard does. (laughs) So anyway, so we're, 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 we're playing in the water. I think we're playing basketball in the water. And all of a sudden, we see one of the lifeguard leaders, right, walking out of the water. And he's kind of, and he's sneaking up behind the lifeguard who is in his lifeguard chair. And the lifeguard trainer, guess what he has? It's Timmy. He was much smaller than we thought. But he sneaks up behind the lifeguard. And the lifeguard's doing his work. And when the lifeguard looks that way, he throws Timmy into the water. And the lifeguard, he did his job. He jumped in the water. got Timmy onto, his, onto the float, swam him across the water, across the pool, took him out of the pool, took him out and began to do CPR and all of the things that needs to be done when you, when you rescue somebody. As I'm sitting there in the water and we're kind of laughing and having a good time with it, um, and it's like the Lord just went... (sniffs) That's what guarding your children looks like. Are you with me? Dads? It's when you see what your children are doing you know what they're doing and, and when something happens, boom, you're there and you jump in and you take care of them because you're the protector. That's what spiritual leaders do. We protect, we, we jump into the deep end to, to rescue those who need rescuing. And we take them to the, to the safe waters and we get them out of the waters and we do what we've got to do to protect them. And so men in our world today, in our culture today, men, we need to protect our children's bodies. Men, we need to teach our sons and our daughters that that our bodies are temples of the living God and that we need to treat others with respect. We need to treat what we have with respect. We need to teach our children how to wear clothes properly. Amen? I mean, that's just part of it. And man, you have to be the one that says, no, this is how we're going to do it because this body belongs to him. It doesn't belong to anybody else. We live in a culture that is so fascinated with the visual. So fascinated. And man, I, I, you ever go to a water park? And you kind of the old saying was, you ever go to a mall to people watch? don't go to a water park to people watch. Are you with me? And a lot of times I'm saying to this, where's the dad? Where's the dad? Unacceptable. What if my kids don't like me? Your body, you only have one, it belongs to him. Dads, our wives, our moms cannot fight that battle alone. You protect your daughters, you protect your sons, you protect their bodies. Number two, you protect their minds. You protect their innocence. You know this there's too much violence, there's too much nudity. There's too much death on social media, on TVs, computers, you name it, whatever. There's just too much filth. Dads, as a spiritual leader, it's your job to keep and protect them and to protect their minds. Because you know this, what goes into the mind, eventually what happens, it comes back out. Dad, you protect them. And then you protect their spirit. What I mean by that is you protect their self-esteem. You protect their dignity. You protect protect their spirit, their self-worth, which means as fathers, spiritual leaders, you have power in your words. The author of Proverbs says this, you have the power of life and death in the tongue. You have power. Dads, fathers, grandparents, you have unbelievable power. You have the power to steer and to direct. We've all heard the saying, stick and stones may what? Break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is one of the biggest lies in the world. Here's why I know that's a lie. Because many of you in this room still wrestle with what a mom and dad said about you when you were younger. I remember two things that teachers told me. My senior high school English teacher said, I was a terrible writer and I could never write. I remember in college, one of my professors whom I looked up to said this, Chris, you have no leadership skills whatsoever. I said, well, God bless you, my friend. (laughs) But I still have those words in my mind. And when I struggle, guess where I go to? I can't write, I can't lead. Those words happened over 35 years, a long time ago. (laughs) You have power. You have power. So dads, here's what I say. Here's three three phrases I encourage you to say to your sons and your daughters. Number one, I love you. Number two, I'm proud of you. And number three, I enjoy being with you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I enjoy being with you. So dads, love your family by leading like Jesus. Now, as we close, can I say one word of caution to women and wives and moms and ladies? Ladies, can I have your permission? Thank you. Because this topic for men is very difficult. It's hard. Because we have failed so many times. And moms, ladies, wives, sometimes we of men have not been the spiritual leaders that God has asked us to be. And because of that, you have stepped in and have done wonderfully well. But Scripture says that men are the head of the household and that we are to love our wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We don't always do that. But ladies, can I say this? Whenever a man, your man, comes under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and he says to you, honey, I'm sorry that I haven't been the leader that I've been called to by the Lord. And he says, I'm sorry that I put so much on you and he says, I'm ready to fulfill God's call in my life to be the spiritual leader of the family. Ladies, when your husband does that, here's what I ask you to do. That you would open up your arms wide, give him a big bear hug, and kiss him on the lips. And then let him lead. Let him lead. give him a chance. You may say, oh, Pastor, he's going to drop the ball just like he has in the past. He's going to fail. Let Let him. And I promise when that order of leadership is correct, according to Scripture, we're all equal in God's eyes, amen? But there are certain responsibilities that God has given. But when everything is in correct order, you'll be amazed at how well it works. So men, will you rise to the challenge? And ladies, will you rise to the challenge? We men need help. Being a man right now, we're being blasted ridiculed, made fun of, put down, pushed down, pushed out, but I know that all of us here in this room that we want to be the man that God's called us to be. Ladies, we need your help. It'll be a beautiful thing when the family becomes what God wants it to be, because then we'll see the gospel of Jesus Christ pass from one generation to another. Let's be that family amen let's pray father we come before you today father I pray for the men who declare right now that they want to be the spiritual leader in the family as you've asked them to be and father I know that many of them say lord I've got a lot to learn and I got a lot of uh, of, of work to catch up on but father I pray that you would give the men wisdom and power to be what you called them to be and Father, I pray for the women, the wives, the moms, that they, would, that they would be the greatest supporter and encourager of their fathers and their husbands and, and that they would, they would lift them up, Father. And Father, I pray that the families in this room and those that are watching, they'll be the families as you call them to be. And may we all manifest Christ so the world will see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.